Good morning. All right. So where are all the kids at today? So wait, don't raise your hands yet. Just kidding. False alarm. All right. So for those of you who are new to BC, uh, sometimes during the month, we are all in here together, grownups and kids. And uh, there's uh, usually a portion of the sermon that's more directed specifically at the kids. Uh, That's first and third Sundays. Uh, And then, is that right? First and third? Second and fourth are Kids Connect? All right, okay. Yeah, so first and third Sundays, the, uh, the kids are in here with us. Second and fourth Sundays a month, they go to a thing called Kids Connect, where they can learn uh, what it's like to be part of the body of Christ and, and grow in that uh, together. And so kids are in here today. So kids, now's the time. Raise your hands. Let me see where you're at. All right. Tell me who are the older grown-ups that you're sitting by that you live with? What do you got, Jaron? Parents. I was very enthusiastic. <laughs> do, do you guys love your parents? Yes. Do your parents love you? Yeah. Okay, now... Do me a favor and raise your hand if sometimes your parents make you do stuff. All right, put your hands down. All right, what is your least favorite thing to do that your parents make you do? What do you got, Ramona? Go to your room. Lucy, what do you got? Clean my room. Eli? Make your bed. Ben? Stop playing video games. Marshall? Go to your room. All right, okay. How many of you get paid for those things? Maybe. Maybe sometimes you get an allowance. All right. The reason why I'm asking these questions is because today, one of the, one of the passages that we're talking about, it talks about uh, us being moved from, from being slaves or, or servants to sin and the law to being sons and daughters of God. So you move from being uh, kind of a, a servant to being a, a child, to being a kid. And, and that's a good thing. Like if, if you weren't your parents' kid and you were a servant and you never did the things they told you to do, what do you think your parents would do? All right, how about I ask it in a different way? How many of you, your mom or dad has a job? Okay, put your hands down. Raise your hands if they get paid for that job. Okay, and that's how we have nice things like houses and beds to make and video games to play and rooms to go to. Uh, But what happens if your parents stop doing their job? Do you think they keep getting paid? What do you think would happen? You would lose your job and your house? Yeah, like it would be bad. So if that's what happens to your parents at their job, what do you think would happen to you if your job was just to be their kid and you stopped doing your job? You'd probably be out on the street, right? They'd say, I'm going to bring another kid in here who will make his bed, who will go to his room, who will, who will clean the house. Right? That would be, that would be bad. 
right? The good news for us is that that's not how God treats us. And that's not how your parents treat you. We're not, we're not his slaves. If we, if we mess up, if we don't do the things that he tells us to do, he doesn't just kick us out of the family. Because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, he's covered our sin. He invites us into the family of God. And, and that's a relationship that will never end. And so kids, go home and, and ask your parents about what they learned today, about what it means that we're sons and daughters of God and why that's good news for us uh, because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So let's, let's pray together and then we'll get into to talking about adoption this morning. Father, we are, we are thankful that we have the, the great privilege to come to you as, as our Father. That we don't have to, to wonder whether you hear or, or whether you care or whether you are concerned about the things going on in our lives because you are our Father. We pray that, that this morning, that as we, as we look at your word together and as we, as we go through this series for the next several weeks, that, that you would use your word and you would send your spirit to, to make our adoption in Jesus a reality that, it, that is tangibly present in our lives. That, that we wouldn't be able to forget or, or shrug off or, or ignore that we are your children and that you're our Father. We thank you for sending your Son to, to redeem us to, to make a way for us to be brought into your family. Jesus, we thank you that you came and you, you lived a life in our place and died a death in our place so that we could, could share in the relationship you have with your Father, so that we could share in, in your inheritance with him. We pray that you would send your spirit now to... to to encourage us from your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I want to start this morning with, with a quote. This is going to be one of, one of three quotes from this guy named J.I. Packer who wrote this book called Knowing God, which, which if you haven't read it, you should consider reading it. But uh, he, he says some things about, about adoption through the course of that book. And so uh, this, this is the quote. All right. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. That's, that's a big statement. Right? If, if, if we don't make much of our adoption in Christ, if it doesn't, if it doesn't control and, and prompt our worship and our prayers and our, and our whole outlook on life, Packer is saying, then we don't really understand this faith that we're swept up in. 
So we want to be people who understand Christianity well, right? We want to be people who understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We want to understand the gospel well. And because we want to be those kinds of people, we need to be people who understand what it means that we're adopted in Christ, that we're sons and daughters of God. And so as a church, we're going to take the next six weeks to talk about that together. Uh, it's, it's a major aspect of the good news, and if we want to understand the good news, then we need to understand adoption. So uh, today, we're going to talk about adoption kind of from a high level, from a, uh, from a couple passages in Scripture. In the following weeks, we're going to talk about the role of adoption in our, in our growth in Christ, in our prayers, how it affects our relationship with the Spirit, how it affects our relationship with one another, and then how it, it gives us hope in Jesus for the future. And so today we're going to start by, by reading from John's gospel. And so I'm going to read John 1, 1 through 13. Uh, if you've got a Bible, you can follow along with me. If not, I think there's some under some of the chairs this morning, and it'll be on the slides behind me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we're focused this morning mainly in this, in this passage on verse 12. I want to read the whole thing to kind of give us the context of what, what John is saying here. But, but the first thing that I want us to recognize is that the first good news that we get in John's gospel is the good news of adoption, right? He, he's, he's talked about who Jesus is, about that he's come into the world. But, but the first thing he says is that uh, to everybody who received Jesus, he was rejected by his own people. But for the people that did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so this verse tells us something very important about adoption. If we don't understand this about adoption, we're going we're gonna to miss the entire point of it. Uh, and what he does is he, he tells us what we must do, what's, what's required of us in order to be adopted by God. There, there's one thing, one thing in this verse. He gives the right, John says, Jesus gives the right to those who believe in his name. So what this is telling us right at the beginning, and this shouldn't be a surprise to you if you've you know, paid attention at all to, to the gospel in your life, but it is based on faith. It's not a result of work so that no one can boast. It's, it's a gift. It's not something we earn or, or purchase. Uh, we are given adoption freely by his grace. And this is really important for us to get and understand specifically because of how adoption worked in the ancient world. So here's this, this other quote. In the ancient world, adoption was a practice ordinarily confined to the childless well-to-do. Its subjects were not normally infants as today, but young adults had who had shown themselves fit and able to carry on a family name in a worthy way. So in the ancient world, the way adoption worked is, is you were this, this, this wealthy, stately person. And you said, 
I'm very important and my name needs to continue in the land. And so what you would do is you would look out over the land on all, all the young men and you would pick one and say, this one is worthy of my name. So I'm going to put my name on them so they can continue it after I'm gone. You would, you would pick someone who had proven themselves reliable and trustworthy, someone who had kind of already made a name for themselves, and then you just give them your name instead. And so adoption in the ancient world worked completely opposite of how adoption works in the Bible, right? In, in the ancient world, you had to be adoption material. You had to be worthy or you wouldn't get picked. What God's word tells us is that none of us are worthy. None of us are fit. None of us are reliable and trustworthy. None of us are are anybody that God would look out on and say, like, that person deserves my name. The good news of the gospel is that our adoption in Jesus, it's not based on us. It's not based on our worth or our trustworthiness or our reliability. It's not based on our ability to, to prove ourselves. When we put our faith in Jesus, God puts his name on us, not because of who we are and what we've done, but because of who Jesus is and what he's done. Right? He gives us the same standing in the family that Jesus has because Jesus' righteousness, his, his worth counts for us. Jesus' death on the cross makes a way for us to be welcomed into God's family. We're not worthy to bear his name, but he gives it to us anyway. We're not fit to be in his family, but he welcomes us in. We're not worthy of trust. We haven't proven ourselves, but he counts Jesus' life for us. He puts his love on us, even though we are unlovely. That's the good news of adoption, right? To all who who believed in him. That's it. He gave the right to become children of God. In Galatians, we see that adoption was was always part of the plan from the very beginning. Follow along with me through through Galatians 4, 4 through 7. It says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So the first thing that Paul tells us in this passage is that God sent Jesus at, at exactly the right moment. Like when, when the fullness of time had come. If you, if, you, if you read the Old Testament, God's plan of redemption is written all across its pages. Like story after story, prophecy after prophecy is, is pointing the way towards the Messiah, the, the suffering servant, the one who's going to come and overturn the curse of the fall. This this Savior who's going to come into the world to redeem God's people and to restore uh, his relationship with them. That this one that's going to come and and be the substitute. And when the time was right, God sent Jesus. He sent his son, born of a woman, Paul says, and born under the law. So he came here. He became like us. He came down to our level. And the reason why that matters is because other religions all tell a story about how how we can become like God or how we can get to where he is. But the gospel tells the story of a God who, who came down to us, right? who took on our flesh, 
who, who, who lived his life in, in our shoes and our circumstances so that he could be our substitute. He was born a woman born under the law. Why? Why, why, why would he do this? Well, Paul tells us in verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law. Listen to this quote from Tom Schreiner explaining what, it, what this means, this phrase. He says, God's plan that human beings would be delivered from the power of sin has been realized in the sinning of his son. He has redeemed those under the law so that believers are now God's sons. Paul consistently depicts the power of sin with the under phrases in Galatians. Those who are under law are under a curse and under sin and under a custodian and under the elements. Sin has placed people under its tyranny and mastery. So there's all these phrases in Galatians that are, that are they're talking about how we're, we're enslaved. We're, we're under the tyranny of sin. We're under the law. And Jesus came, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. That's us. We were, we were enslaved to sin. We were enslaved to the law. To redeem something is to, is to buy it back. To, to buy something out of slavery. All throughout the Old Testament, right, we hear the story again and again about how God redeemed his people, right? He brought them out of Egypt. He rescued them. He, he delivered them. He redeemed them from their slavery in Egypt. God sent forth his son. He sent Jesus to redeem us out from under our slavery to sin and to the law. And that's, that's good news, that means that, that we're no longer slaves to sin. It means we're no longer enslaved to the law. It means we're no longer under those things because he brought us out from underneath them. But there's more good news. What have we been redeemed for? Look at the second half of verse 5. So that, this is, this is the purpose of him bringing us out from under the law. So that we might receive adoption as sons. He didn't redeem us just so that we wouldn't be slaves anymore. He redeemed us so that we would be his, so that we would belong to him, so that we would be his children, so that, so that you would be his son or daughter. He redeemed us to, to bring us into his family, to bring us, buy us back into relationship with himself. And notice that this is, this is plural here. He redeemed us. So that, so that we would be his sons and daughters. What that means is that we're all adopted together. We all got in the family the same way, by faith. That means none of us have any higher claim to being a son or daughter of God. None of us have any higher standing in the family. Like We're, we're all in the same boat together. We were adopted if you've trusted in Jesus, that's your story. You're a son or daughter of God, and it's because of faith. It's not because who you are, no matter how great you think you are. And like, you're probably great, but, but you're great like everybody else is great and broken too. There's not anyone who's a follower of Jesus that wasn't adopted by God by faith. Look at what comes next in verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So the Father doesn't just send the Son to, to buy us out of slavery and bring us into his family. Like that, that, that would be fantastic all on its own. But he does that, and he does even more by sending his Spirit to, to, to come into us and help us be members of his family, right? The Spirit comes into us, it's the Spirit of his Son, and it, and it cries, Abba, Father. He's, he's enabling us to function as members of the family. 
He's equipping us to live in this kind of relationship with himself. We're going to talk more about the Spirit in a few weeks, but, but just this morning, notice that he sent his Spirit to enable us to be his children, right? To, to, to work out in reality this relationship we have with him as our Father. The result of what he's done is, is more good news. Look at verse 7. So, like because of all this that Paul has said, this is the conclusion, you're no longer a slave. You're not enslaved to the law anymore. You're not enslaved to sin anymore. You're, you're, you're free from those things because he's redeemed you if you've trusted in Jesus. Instead of that, you're a son or daughter of God. And because you're a son or daughter of God, then you are an heir through God. Right? So we're adopted into God's family because of Jesus. We're freed from the law because of Jesus. We're freed from sin because of Jesus. And uh, because of that, we're his sons and daughters. We have this new status. And because we have this new status, we share in Christ's inheritance. Which is nuts. Right? Imagine if, if later today, you get a phone call. And there's this, this long-lost aunt or uncle that you don't know, you don't have a relationship with, but they are loaded. Like millions. They're like, I don't have any heir. You're the closest relative. So when I buy the farm, you can buy whatever you want. We would maybe be like, I'm a little sad that I never knew this relative and it'll be sad when they die. But I think most of us would spend most of our time dreaming and thinking about all the possibilities that we could do with all of this money that we stand to inherit. Like way, ways in which it would change our lives, ways in which we'd be able to bless people around us and change their lives. Like we, we, it, it would probably consume us. And it would probably also put us in a place to where we could deal with the, the trying circumstances of our life this week. Because we would think, yeah, this job is rough now. This situation is hard now. But, but that's coming to me. Why is our, our hope in Christ that different from that? Right? Shouldn't, shouldn't it give us the same kind of hope? Shouldn't it give us the, the same kind of resolve? Can't, can't it also encourage us in the midst of, of jobs we don't like or situations that are difficult or bills that are hard to pay? Shouldn't we think, my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? All the trees, all the meadows, all the buildings belong to him, right? He rules everything. And I'm his heir. We're going to talk more about our inheritance in, in a few weeks. But today, I just, I just want us, I want, I want myself to, to sit in the reality of our adoption in Jesus. I don't, I don't think we, we think about it enough. Like if you have trusted in Jesus, then you are a son or daughter of God. And that is, that is just as real as you are a son or daughter of your parents. You're, 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 you've been adopted. You've been brought into his family. You weren't adopted because you've proven yourself faithful or reliable. You weren't adopted because you're worthy to bear his name. It's not about your performance or your work or your merit or your worth. 
And that's not just good news because it means like anybody can be part of his family. It's good news for those of us that are already in his family because it's still not based on any of those things. Right? If, if you're a parent, you know that like when your kid doesn't do what you want them to do, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's irritating. It's hard. But your love for them doesn't change. Right? You're not like, out of the house, you're done. Three times this week, didn't clean your room. See you later. Right? We, we didn't get into this family because of who we are, because of what we've done. And we don't stay in this family because of who we are and what we do. So that means when we fall short, and we fall short a lot, We are still sons and daughters of God. He still loves us. He's disappointed. But ultimately, his love is not based on on me and what I do or you and what you do. It's based on who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And he is always pleased with him. And that's how he feels about us. When we're bearing his name well and when we are bearing his name poorly, he still delights in us as children. J.I. Packer says, the idea of his, that's the father, loving and exalting us sinners as he, lo- as he loves and has exalted the Lord Jesus sounds ludicrous and wild. Yet that, and nothing less than that, is what our adoption means. Listen to that again. The idea of his loving and exalting us sinners as he loves and has exalted the Lord Jesus sounds ludicrous and wild, yet that and nothing less than that is what our adoption means. If if you are in Christ, God is pleased with you because he's pleased with Jesus. Like his pleasure in Christ never changes and you are in Christ. You share the same status with him. And and immediately, like even saying that out loud, my mind races to, to qualify all of that because it is so wild and ludicrous. I don't wanna I wanna try to protect myself from thinking, oh, I can just do whatever I want now. But that's how our Father loves us. There's one time where, where Jeff Vanderstelt said that, that God is the, the most enabling parent in history. And that's true. Right? Like he could snuff us out in an instant if he wanted to. But he doesn't. Because he cares about us as his children. And so this week... on good days and bad days, in, in good circumstances and bad circumstances, when you, when you feel like you have it all together and when you feel like you're falling apart, remind yourself of who you are. Right? You're, you're, you're not a failure. You're not somebody no one likes. You're not somebody who, who is never going to get it together. You're not someone who's, who's irreco- ir- yeah, I can't pronounce that word, 
impossibly broken, right? You, you can't be, you're not Humpty Dumpty. You can be put back together. You're not someone who can't say the word irrevocably. You are a son or daughter of God. And he loves you like he loves Jesus. Which is a statement that we can't even understand. Because we don't know what it means to love perfectly and completely. But that's how we are loved. And I think part of the inheritance that we're going to talk about in a few weeks is that we're going to get to spend forever trying to figure out what that means by experiencing it. And so as we move forward in the service today, as you, as you uh, go about your life this week, spend time dwelling on, thinking in, living in the reality of who you are in Jesus. Right? Share with someone else the good news of adoption. Because it's, it's the best news we've got. Justification is great. But adoption's better. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus at, at exactly the right moment in exactly the right way. Born of a woman and born under the law to redeem us who, who were under its tyranny and the tyranny of sin. You, Jesus, redeemed us. You brought us out of our slavery and brought us into relationship with you and relationship with your Father. That because of who you are and what you've done, he can be our Father. We thank you that you let us, who are unworthy and unlovable, be loved like you get loved from the Father. We pray that you would send your spirit to, to cause us, to cause our minds, to, to, to draw our hearts deeper into the reality of our adoption in you. That it wouldn't be something that we dismiss or shrug off or, or forget about but that it, it, would, it would prompt and control us and how we worship and how we pray and how we encourage people after service and how we, we go about our lives this week. Jesus, we thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. That you let us, you, 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 eagerly welcome us as your brothers and sisters. It's in your name we pray. Amen.